turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 will be our foundational text for this morning. If you don't have a Bible, uh, the ushers could get you one, or if you just want to look at it on the screen, we have the scripture verses there for you as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Are you there? Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren all at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Pray with me. Father, we do thank you this morning. Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Father, where we need to be delivered, where we need to be healed, where we need to be set free, I pray that today will be the day. Father, let your word go forth with clarity. Let it go forth with boldness. Father, let your word go forth, Father, in such a way that your people respond saying, yea, amen, and be changed and transformed. Father, use this vessel. Use my lips of clay. Use my mind, Father, to communicate the wonderful word of the living God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. I want to somewhat begin this message this morning with somewhat, with, with somewhat of an apology. I had said to you last week, I said that we were finishing our series. And we, as I said during the offering time, we are in the middle of a series um, that is entitled Forward. And so uh, we have talked about, uh, just to kind of give you some insight into that, we have talked about the importance of unity. We talked about the, the, the importance of keep moving uh, in life. We also talked about uh, overcoming past hurts in this series. And last week we dealt with the will to fight. How many of you enjoyed that message last week? Uh, I think this, this series has been such an, a life-changing series. And uh, if you look at your bulletin, our website is available. And you can go to our website and uh, those sermons are placed online for your listening pleasure. You can download them. Uh, you can put them on a CD. You can, you can subscribe to our podcast. There's a number of ways that you can get the word of God into you. 
uh, because we think that is so very important. So today is kind of a bonus message today as we will be talking about the subject of forgiving yourself. God bless her. Amen. We're going to talk about forgiving yourself. Um, I think it's so often in church we preach about the importance of forgiving. Um, we talked about in recent weeks that it's important for all of us to learn to forgive on contact. Now, what I mean when I say forgive on contact, that means that before the person even do the offense, that you automatically forgive them. That we walk in the spirit of forgiveness. And so everything as it relates to church life, and if you've been here for any length of time, I have preached many a sermons on forgiveness. But I actually went back and I tried to think to myself, when was it that I actually preached a sermon on forgiving yourself? And I kind of realized that I had not really done that. And so I want to talk about that this morning because it's so important that you understand that forgiving yourself is really the gateway to you being able to forgive other people. I think about, uh, for an example, uh, David. Uh, how many of you are familiar with uh, David in the Old Testament? Uh, king David was the king of Israel, and he had committed uh, some serious sins. He had committed murder. He had committed adultery. And yet David, through all of that, if you read Psalm 51, David gives this, this, this plea to God to forgive him and to restore him. And, and God does exactly that because we see that David actually picks up, the, picks up his life. He made some mistakes in life. And he was able to go on in life and become everything that God wanted him to be, in spite of everything that he did. And that's really the central focus today, is that we're going to talk about, not only we're going to dig into how that God has forgiven you, but we're also going to talk about why it's so important that you forgive yourself for the things that you have done. How many, how many of you were touched by the video that you saw earlier? How many know people need to know that there's a place they can get healing from. People need to know that no matter what you've done in life, there is a healing bomb in Gilead. There is a God that can heal you, deliver you, and make it right. And this is the wonderful gospel that we preached. And so we're going to kind of dig into this this morning. I don't think I'm going to be too long. But we want to take a look at the Apostle Paul for a little bit. Uh, the Apostle Paul... Uh, wrote a third of the New Testament. Uh, he was a man who uh, planted uh, so many churches in Asia and throughout uh, the world. He's responsible for that. But the Apostle Paul was not a perfect man. In fact, if you read most of your epistles in the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote most of them. But he was not a, a perfect man. In fact, if you look at verse number 8, he says here, then, uh, in verse number 8 in chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, Then last of all, uh, he was seen by me also as one born out of due times, talking about how he saw Jesus. For I am the least of the apostles, is what he's saying, who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Now, I want, you to, I want that to lock in uh, with you for a moment. The great apostle Paul said, I am not worthy to be called an apostle. Now, why would the apostle Paul make such a statement? 
Well, if you look in the next verse, he tells you, and actually in that same verse, he says, in the last part of that verse, he says, because I persecuted, everybody say persecuted. He said, I persecuted the church of God. Now understand something, Paul had an awareness about his sin. He had an awareness about the fact that he had done some things in his past that he wasn't too happy about. Is there anybody in here that's ever done anything in your past that you're not too happy about? Apostle Paul was a great man of faith, and he had done something that he wasn't too proud about. And Paul says here, he says, listen, he says, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now, we talk about how the Paul persecuted the church of God. Paul had sort of a, I'm going to mess with some of your theology this morning, but Paul had somewhat of a gangster mentality. That really, you really thinking that, Pastor, you really, you call Apostle Paul a gangster? Yeah. Uh, Apostle Paul was kind of operating in the spirit of a terrorist. Now, I know some of you looking, you're thinking right now, oh, my gosh, how can he say such a thing? Well, if you look at, and you don't, I don't have to, you don't have to turn there, but I'll, I'll read it. In Acts chapter number 9, verse 1, and I'll just read this. It says, then Saul, still breathing, he was, his name was Saul before he was changed to Paul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. So the Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, he was operating in a spirit whereby he was threatening and intimidating people. The Bible says that in one that we know that in Acts chapter 8, that in one case, that when Stephen, who was preaching about the Lord, and he was uh, telling people about the Lord, and he was preaching, and then all the guys, they took up stones, and they begin, and they killed Stephen. And the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, kind of stood there and said, yeah, take him out. So Paul himself was a man who was breathing threats. How many, know that, how many of you ever know of any gang members? How many of you have ever been in a gang? <laughs> I said, oh, no, no. Well, how many, what, what do gang members do? They do what? They threaten and intimidate, don't they? In fact, I was listening not too long ago. There was in Baltimore. Uh, Maryland, uh, they had a big thing in the news about a local jail there that there was this gang member uh, who was kind of a, a well-known and he had a lot of affiliations, but he would just order things from the prison and he wouldn't put his hands on anything. He would just say, take this person out, they would take that person out. He had people bringing drugs in, he had people getting pregnant inside the prison. All of this was just because he, was, he said the word. The Apostle Paul mission in life, watch this, his number one mission in life at that time was he was going to destroy the church. He would find them, he would find every believer, he would threaten them, he would intimidate them, he would do whatever he needed to do to get them to stop what they were doing. How many know that's what terrorists do? Why do terrorists kill today? Because of your beliefs. You don't believe like I believe? Then I'm going to take you out. The Bible says the Apostle Paul was breathing threats and murders. This was what Paul was doing before God called him into the kingdom of God. Now, you would think to yourself, why in the world could God, like, find somebody else who wasn't doing all of that? Why would God choose a man 
who was, in fact, Paul was, they were so hesitant about Paul that, that when Paul came, when he had this encounter with God and Jesus called him, Paul began to, he wanted to go back and preach to the brothers and the sisters who were Christians, and they would be like, no, no, stay away from me. We don't believe you, man, because you have done some terrible things. Man, you need to stay away. I don't want to have anything to do with you because I know what you did. How many know that in order for the apostle Paul to become what God wanted him to be, that he had to put behind him what he had done in the past. In other words, the apostle Paul had done some things in his life he wasn't too proud about. He had the opportunity. He could have stood there and say, you know what? After all the things I did, just like this lady in the video that we saw, she could have sit back and she could have said, I had all these abortions. I did all these horrible things. Therefore, I'm done. It's over for me. But no, she realized that if God forgives you, how many know you are set free? If the son forgives you, you're set free. And I like what Paul says here. He says, watch this. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, you need to let that settle in for a little bit. Because what Paul was essentially saying is, I agree with you that I was a bad person. And all of you tell me that all my life. How I many know people sometimes want to go back and always try to bring up your past? Come on. You ever met people who don't want to be, oh, I remember when you used to. Oh, I remember not too long ago when you were doing this. I remember who you think you are trying to be all sanctified and saved and preaching Jesus. I remember who you were. How many know that's what Paul had to deal with? And Paul looked him straight in the face. He said, look, I know all that. I know I'm not worthy. But if God decided to bless me and to give me grace, then I'm receiving. And if God has forgiven me, who are you to tell me what I can't do? God can call me and God can call me to do anything. I mean, no, if God be for you, who can be against you? And you better believe they were reminding Paul of his past all the time, and Paul had no time for it. Paul's attitude was, you know what? Y'all can say what you want to say, but you know what? I'm forgiven. And how many know you need to walk in the fact that you know that you've been cleansed by God? Because when God says he forgives you, guess what? He forgives you. And he is not a man that he should lie. Let's look at a couple of verses. And I want to, you can write these down. We we'll have time to, to look at all of them. But I just want to give you some verses, something for you to think about as it relates to God's forgiveness. 1 John 1 9 says this. You can just write it down. If we confess our sin, everybody say confess. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Watch this. And to cleanse us. Of all, everybody say all, unrighteousness. Now, that's a beautiful verse. Because here's what, the, here's what John is saying about the Lord. He said, if we confess. So here's what God wants you to do. God wants you to come in agreement with him and confess that you've done wrong. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Amen. So, so, you know, we just need to be honest and bring this in before God. We need to confess it. And the Bible says that he is faithful and just. How I many you know God is faithful? In other words, when it says that God is faithful, that means that God won't leave no evidence behind that you sin. Did y'all get that? God can cleanse you in such a way that he leaves no evidence that you ever did it. I know some of you said, no, but you don't understand. It doesn't matter what you did. Oh, Pastor, but you don't know my sin. Your sin is what? What sin have you done that God haven't forgiven in the past and is still not forgiven today? You can't exhaust the grace of God. 
The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen? Amen? And so he says, now, if you confess your sins, now, this, this is important. So if you've done something wrong, if you've done something you got a problem with, you have trouble forgiving this thing and, and moving on, here's what you need to do. You need to, you need to first just confess the sin. And then you need to walk away knowing that because I, I confessed it, God is faithful and just. He said in his word, he will forgive and cleanse me of all. Everybody say all. All, all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but I think that's a pretty good deal. Romans 4, verses 7 and 8. Watch this. It says, blessed are those who are, whose lawless deeds are forgiven. I want you to think about every sin you ever committed. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins have been covered. I know Jesus covered your sins. Blessed is the man whom the Lord shall not impute sin. In other words, God is not holding that against you. How many know when God forgives, he sets you free? First John chapter 2, look at this, verses 1 and 2. So I'm just giving you these verses. So whenever the enemy tries to tell you that God hasn't forgiven you, that the sin that you did is too big, is too large for God to forgive, just in case, I just have a couple verses for you. Amen. He says, my little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. Now, how many know God don't want you sinning? We're not preaching this message to encourage you to sin. Nobody who's a Christian wants to sin. Amen? Amen? You don't want to sin. You don't delight in sin. You want to have nothing to do with sin. But, but he said, just in case you do, he says, we have an advocate. Everybody say advocate. advocate. That means you have Jesus who is your lawyer. And every time you blow it, if you say sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, every time you blow it, Jesus runs right into the court, motions the court, and say, uh, Lord God, remember this sin. He just committed this sin. She just did this thing. But, but, but remember, I paid for that. My blood, I died for that. That thing that the enemy, they keep bringing, about, bringing up and talking about, I took care of that over 2,000 years ago. How many know he's an advocate? And, and, and he's a lawyer. And he steps up on your behalf to make sure that nobody, I mean, he, how many know that when he covers you, he covers you? You should be excited about that because your sins are covered. And you can tell people, let them know, my sin is under the blood. Somebody try to remind you of your old self, tell them it's under the blood. It's over. It's done. God's forgiven me, so why do you keep bringing that up? Every now and then, me and my wife, we tease each other about some of the old stuff. And she said, my wife looked right at me and she said, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm a brand new person. Jesus set me free. I have no clue. She said, who are you talking about? I mean, all the time, you know, we kid around. Because you need to realize that Jesus has set you free. When he forgives you. You are forgiven. Amen. You are forgiven. And you need to walk in the now. You need to walk with your head up saying, you know what? I don't care what I, boy, I am a child of God. I've been set free. And the devil can't tell me, I mean, people can't bring up your past. If they bring up your past stuff, they got a problem. But you don't. You don't worry about what they say. Look at this. Uh, Psalm 103. I love this verse. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3. Bless the Lord. Everybody say, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, now, you need to read. Now, in your spare time, go home and read Psalm 103. Boy, that's a lot of benefits down there for you. I mean, God got a big old jack-in-the-box for you. I mean, it's full of good surprises in there. So he says, forget not all his benefits. How I many know that he got a lot of benefits? Watch this. Who forgive all. Everybody say all. 
all your iniquities, who heal all your diseases. Does that sound like a God who left a couple of your sins out? Can anybody help me? What does all mean? All, all means all. He's forgiven you of all of your iniquities. Micah chapter 7 verse 19 says this. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Who wouldn't take this forgiveness? Who wouldn't want a loving God to forgive him this way? But how many know that in order for you to move on, you have to realize what Paul realized. Look at Philippians chapter number two. I'm sorry, look at Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three, verse number 12, and it reads, this is Paul talking, this same Apostle Paul. Now, I want you to think about it for a second. This same guy that was persecuting the church, he had a gangster mentality, breathing out threats and killing the Lord's disciples, wreaking havoc. This was the same Paul. Here's what he says. Not that I've already attained or am already perfect. How many would say, that's me. But I press on. Everybody say, press on. Press on. See, that's key. You got to press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also has laid hold of me. Brethren, watch this. I do not count myself to have apprehended. Here's what Paul is saying. He says, now, I, I do not count myself uh, to have apprehended. I'm not there yet. But he says, this one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. Out of all the things, understand what Paul had to do. Paul planted all these churches. He's responsible for many of us, many of us sitting here today. Paul said, this one thing that I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward. Everybody say reach forward. Reach forward. To those things which are ahead. So how was Paul able to put his past aside? How was he able to deal with all of that? Was because he forgave himself. He forgave himself of all the wrong that he had did. I mean, he knew that God forgave him, and he accepted that. But then he says, I'm now going to forgive myself. And because Paul had this attitude, he achieved great and mighty things for God. Now, I want to give you nine steps to forgiving yourself, and then we'll be done. Nine steps. Are you ready? Get your pen, pencil. This will help you. Number one, if you have problems forgiving yourself, number one, own up to your sin. We kind of said that a little a moment ago. How many know we just need to own up to what we did? How many know God wants you to run to him, not run from him? You know, it's amazing that when people sometimes sin against God, they have a tendency to run from him. You ever notice that? Uh, you ever notice that when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They hid themselves. See, something about the human nature, when you know, boy, you've done wrong, and, and you know you violated the law of God, it's something in you that says, man, I need to run. But, but, but because of the blood of Jesus, you need to run, but run to Jesus, not from him. So every time, watch this, every time you blow it, you just need to own up to it. Say, Lord, it's me. God, I did it. God, I did. Yeah, and, and you need to get over the fact that I can't believe I did it. Amen? Because some of you get it, some of us struggle with that. I can't believe. Yeah, you did it. I can't believe I did that. Yeah, you did it. Just own up to it and confess to God. I did it. 
No matter what it is, just own up to it. Say, Lord, I'm guilty. How many know there's mercy to those who confess? Amen? Amen. Watch this. Um, number, number two, you need to see your past mistakes as part of a journey and not the destination. You see, if I was journeying toward tech, uh, let's say toward California, and I decided to make a stop in Texas, and I wanted to kind of explore the Dallas Cowboys football stadium. Uh, I, I got a lot of amen on that, didn't I? I just wanted to see that monster of a stadium and, and talk about the How many know, and I've had my friends tell me, they say, well, 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 well how do you call, how do you like the Dallas Cowboys and you're not from Dallas? I say, well, because Dallas Cowboys is America's team. So last I checked, America is all 50 states. That's why I tell them. But, and, and their response to me is, well, you know, you're not really a Texan. No, I'm not a Texan. I just happen to love the Cowboys. But the point being is this. If I stop over in Dallas, I'm on a journey toward California, and I make a stop in Texas. How many know just because I made a stop in Texas and I visited the Cowboys Stadium, don't make me a Texan? Amen. I ain't a Texan just because I stopped in Texas. Amen. How many know just because you committed a sin, it doesn't mean that that sin does not have to define you. You follow what I'm saying? I, listen, this is a, I'm on a journey. God is taking me someplace. And in the midst of the journey, I may, I've got a couple bumps in the road. How many of you say, Pastor, that's me? You know, you've got a couple. You've made some mistakes. You've tripped up a little bit, but you look at it as a life lesson. You pick up and you keep going because that's not where God is taking you. God is taking you someplace. God is, God is refining you. God has big, big plans for you. And just because you trip up, that's why we say all the time, like the Bible we quoted, where it says that the righteous fall seven times, we get right back up, because we understand that God is at work in me. And you must always realize that no matter what you've done, God is at work. Look at the neighbor and say, God is at work in you. Well, here's, here's a big one. The third thing you need to do. Here's a big one. Turn to James chapter number five. Here's a big one. And, th and this is the most scariest of them all. Because how many know that sometimes people are not as merciful as they should be? How many know sometimes Christians are not as merciful as they should be? I know we don't like to say that in church because we like to come to church and think we're all perfect. But the reality of it is we're not. We all got some issues. Everybody say issues. Yeah, we all got issues. It says, so what we need to do is, watch this. If we're going to, uh, nine steps to forgiving yourself, here's what you need to do. Confess your sin to another. Look at James chapter number Five, verse 16. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, isn't it amazing that any time most people I know of, you ever heard, uh, heard of people, for example, that, um, that, that took their life and you were surprised about it? Anybody? It's a terrible thing for somebody that you find out a loved one or somebody that you know they took their lives. And you had no idea that they had some issues because as far as you could tell, they were perfectly fine. Amen. And then all of a sudden you get some bad news, such and such did this. It's like, what? Because one of the things that the devil does is, is that when people, when people uh, do stuff or do something wrong and it haunts them, even though you could have been a Christian now for 10 to 15 years, but there's still something that's bothering you. I know many believers, because I sit down and I've talked to them, who've been saved, they know the Lord, and yet they're sitting there and they say, I can't forgive myself for what I did 5, 10, 15 years ago. 
But God is here to say to you this morning, get over it. You see, the enemy likes, what, here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to keep all that stuff bottled up. You know why he wants you to keep it bottled up? So that he can keep beating you over the head about what you did wrong. He loved to bring up your sin. He loved to bring up your dirt. And he liked to take that little whip, but he just liked to keep beating you with it. Yeah, I can't believe you. Look what you did. You're terrible. You're this. You're that. But it's something amazing. If you, if, if you ever get to a point in your life where you've done something wrong, you find somebody who's healthy in the Lord. Everybody say healthy. healthy. Somebody healthy in the Lord that you can sit down and talk with and say, look, um, um, I need to, I need to talk. I, I just need to share. Uh, I did something so many years ago, and it's really been bothering me. You would be amazed how you would be set free. But because the Bible said there's healing in confession, not just to God, but to one another. And see, this is why it's important that churches just not be places where we come together on Sunday just for worshiping God. Church also need to facilitate authentic relationships whereby we are digging into each other's lives and encouraging each other daily in the faith. Amen. How I many know you're battling the stuff all during the week? You need daily encouragement. Every now and then, shoot me an email. Give me a phone call. Come see me because I need some encouragement. Amen. And it's nothing. When, when another believer sit there and they listen to you and they say to you, you know what? You're, I, I understand. You know, let's pray together. I mean, you know, it's amazing. I've had things in my life I've done, and I've, I've had people that I've talked to. And, boy, it's amazing that I kept thinking to myself, keep it to myself, keep it to myself. But as soon as I gave it up, Wow, the weight just came off. Because the Bible says confess to one another that you might be healed. Now, it doesn't mean you just confess to anybody, amen? Because some people can't handle what you got to say. So you need to be discerning. But you need to find somebody that you can share with if you're going to get over this thing and be able to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. Number four, you need to humble yourself and accept God's forgiveness. Now, I know that seems strange. But, Pastor, why do I need to humble myself? Well, because sometimes uh, we have a false humility that is kind of uh, cloaked and, and, and a kind of righteousness and pride that is not accurate. And what I mean by that is, we said earlier how that God has forgiven us of all of our sins. Amen. If God forgave Paul of his adultery and his murder, God forgave Peter of his denial, God forgave the apostle Paul of everything he did, how many know that there's no sin that God wouldn't forgive you for? And if God says, I forgive you, you need to humble yourself and accept his forgiveness. Amen? See, one of the things I've learned, and this is God, this will help you, but God showed me because I used to have a problem with receiving a gift from people. I used to. Everybody say, he's grown up now. Oh, yeah. I, you offer me a gift now, I take it. But before, I said, ah, oh, I don't want it. Oh, you know, you know, deep down inside, I know I really want it. But, you know, it's kind of, you know, and, and it really it was fake. But now if you come to offer me a gift, Pastor, oh, thank you. God bless you. I take it. Because I understand that there's a kind of pride that can come over us. Even in a situation like this where, where listen, where God, where God says, I forgive you, but you're saying, it's like you're saying to God, yeah, God, but I don't, you know, I don't really, I don't really believe that your forgiveness is sufficient. It's like you're exalting his pride above your, you're, you're exalting your prideful self and your sin above what he can do in your life. How many know that God can go very deep with you? So you need to humble yourself and say, Lord, I accept. How many know some of us just need to accept God's forgiveness? Accept his forgiveness and you'll be free. Amen? What number are we? 
Boy, y'all paying attention today. Watch this. Whatever this sin is, figuratively, let go of the past sin. Figuratively, let it go. What, what do I mean by that? Um, you know, what you need to do, how many of you have ever been to a barn fire? When I was in college, we do that all the time. But here's what you need to do. I'm going to give you a good example of what you, let's say you did some past sin that you're not too happy about. Uh, let me give you a suggestion. Take yourself, and I don't have any, but this is my, my symbolic thing today. Take a pen, pencil, and I want you to write down whatever it is that's been bothering you. Whatever you've done, whatever you struggle with, whatever the struggle, you need to write it down and here's what I want you to do. And I want you to call some of your, your trusted Christian friends and say, look, I'm going to have a bonfire and we're going to have a funeral. And they're going to look at them first. When you first say that, they're going to say, what are you talking about? Why you want to you know, a funeral? Because you're going to sound kind of rejoiceful when you say, yeah, I want you to come to my house at such and such and we're going to have a funeral. And, uh, and, uh, and we're going to have a cremation right out in the back of my yard. Because what you're going to do on that piece of paper, you're going to write down whatever it was that you did that the devil keep telling you that God haven't forgiven you for. You need to write it down and you need to go to that bonfire and hold that, hold that piece of paper up with all your Christian buddies, your friends, and you need to thank the Lord for forgiving you of the sin. But then you need to take it a step further. You say, Lord, I thank you for giving, for forgiving me of this sin. And now, Father, I forgive myself. I release this, Lord, to be burned and to never have an effect on my life again. I'm giving it up. Now, here's what you do. And I want you to drop that piece of paper in the fire. And then after you drop it, then take the ashes and go flush them in the toilet. And here's what happens. Now, now, you know, now, now think about it. Here's why I say that. Because the Bible says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And what the devil wants you to always feel, it's, time you know, it's the spirit of the devil that makes you feel condemned. Jesus came to set you free. There is no condemnation. You don't need to be holding the weight of that. You're not designed to hold that weight. You're not designed to hold it. So you have yourself a little funeral and you kill it. And every time the devil try to bring that thing back up, the first thing will come to your mind. But you know what? It was back on this date at this time that I burned that thing. I released it to God and it's gone. It's over. I don't have to worry about it ever again. Amen? Amen. Number five. Number six. Stop punishing yourself. Amen? Stop beating yourself up. I can't even, look, listen. Get over it. Stop punishing yourself. How many know that if God needs to punish you, he'll punish you? How many know God does discipline his children? Amen. So why do you want to try to help him out? Listen, when I got a spanking from my parents, let me be honest. When I got a spanking from my parents, boy, I'd be jumping up and down running. I mean, sometimes my mom and dad had to catch me because I ain't going to help you spank. And I used to hate my grandma used to say this to me. She said, uh, uh, son, go outside and get the switch. And, you know, whenever she told, whoever she told to go get the switch, usually mean the switch was going to be switched on you, your behind. And she would say, go out there and get it. And, I'm, and I, I used to get so mad about it. And I'm thinking, about, why do I need to help you beat me? And I'd go get the switch, and I'd go running. She'd be, come here, boy, and I'd be, I'm running. I mean, she's trying to track me down. She can't hardly move, but she's chasing after me because I ain't going to help you. How many know that if God needs to spank you, God to spank you, don't beat yourself up? That's what I'm trying to say. 
Don't beat yourself up over stuff. Get over it. Confess the thing to God. Believe that you're healed. Forgive yourself. Move on. Don't help, don't help God beat you up. God, first of all, God ain't going to beat you up. Amen? If God disciplines you, that's the best kind of discipline you can get. Because when he disciplines you, he disciplines you so you can be a partaker of his love and grace. And how you know he knows what's good for you. Amen. So, I, so look, I don't want, look, I, look, I don't want mama and daddy disciplining me, but God, God, you can do it. God, you come, you come, when God does it, he does it right. Because my kids, I tell my kids, sometimes I mess, I get, I might lose it. You don't want daddy having to do it because daddy ain't, all, ain't like God. I try to be, but you know, y'all pray for me. All right. So number seven, we're at number seven, we only have nine of these, so we're almost done. You need to keep forgiving yourself. Now, the reason I say keep forgiving yourself is because the devil will bring it up again. It will come up. So forgive yourself over and over again. I forgive myself. I, I am forgive. I'm a child of God. I've been made new. I've been made right, and I'm moving on. Amen. Number eight, here's a big one. You're talking about forgiving yourself. Number eight, clean out your house and your closet. Now, Pastor, what do you mean by clean out your house and your closet? It's two separate things I said there. See, your, your house is general. It's the stuff that you see, right? Um, for example, <laughs> I'd imagine that if the Apostle Paul was saying that Paul said, one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I press forward to the things which are before me. I can't imagine that the Apostle Paul would have a, a picture of himself with his posse throwing stones at Stephen. Mom, Dad, Dad, what's that picture of? Oh, that was, that was when I was out there doing some murders. You see right there? That's when me and my buddies were hanging out. Oh, uh, yeah, but Dad, what's that picture? Uh, what, uh, yeah, that was just us just, just, just smoking some dope after we just got through robbing the bank. Oh. How many know that, that probably a good thing to do is clean house and take away everything that will remind you of that past sin? Amen. You follow what I'm saying? Amen. Anything that reminds you of that old life, that thing that keeps hounding you, clean your house out. Go through there and get rid of it. Amen. Get, get rid of it. Just clean house. Go through it. You will never get free. Look, I don't want to need to be, I don't, if I'm trying to get free, I don't need to be seeing things that constantly remind me what I'm trying to get free from. People say to me, well, I'm trying to get free. But then you, you, you go take a look around. It's like, it's like, sister, brother, no wonder you ain't free. You got constant reminders all around. Clean the house. Then I said another thing, clean the closet. Because the closet, see, here's what we do. How many know when you really put something behind and you ain't going to visit it no more, you get rid of it? Because see, if I take it to the closet... See, I can, I can stash it away, so if I need to go back and get it again, I can pull it out. But if you get rid of that thing where it's gone forever, you never have to worry about it. It's not in the house. Amen. I'm free, and I'm going to stay free. Amen? So you need a clean house. Clean house. Number nine, here's the last one. You need to embrace. Everybody say embrace. embrace. Your new life in Christ. You need to embrace it. You need to enjoy your life. How many know God wants you to have a good life? I said, how many know God wants you to have a good life? God wants you to enjoy your life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have become what? New. Man, I, I'm walking with the Lord now. So I embrace my new life. 
How many know I get, I do, take up some new activities, learn golf or something. I'll teach you some golf lessons. And Brother Exeter will teach you how to ride a bike. Amen. And Brother Jeff, he'll teach you how to shoot guns or something. You know, I don't know. Take up a hobby. He's not here. He just walked out, but. Find a new hobby. Embrace, look, get new, get new activities. Find new friends. In other words, embrace the new life that God has given you because that's God's gift to you. Because you have been set free and you're moving on in God. You got a new life. Amen? Amen. In conclusion, just remember this. God's forgiveness is instant. Amen. Know that. He doesn't put us through some kind of a trial period. When you ask God to forgive you, he forgives you right on the spot. It's over. It's done with. How many of you believe that? I gave you a lot of verses to show you that. And if you don't believe the Bible, that's a whole other issue. How many of you believe the Bible? If God says you're free, you're free. His forgiveness is instant. Number two, God's forgiveness is complete. He doesn't, he doesn't give, forgive us just enough not to punish us. And he doesn't keep us at arm's distance. His forgiveness is complete. His forgiveness is repeated. It's not like God give us like a coupon book with just 10 free passes. All right, this is it. I got, for you, I only got like 15 or 20 for you. But once you run out, you're done. No, God's forgiveness is repeated. As often as you need it, you can run to him and you can get it. Amen? Amen. And then last but not least, his forgiveness is free. Everybody say free. Free. How many know that it's hard to find anything free today? But most people I know, when they find out something is free, they come running to it. I know God's forgiveness is free. You need to run to it, you need to embrace it, and you need to take it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on, give God a praise for that if you receive that. Amen. Every head is bowed. This is the first Sunday, so we have communion. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Maybe you, you, you heard this word this morning, and, and if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm not talking about um, you go to church. I'm not talking about, well, you, know, you grew up a Catholic, or you grew up a Lutheran, or you grew up a Baptist. But the question we have this morning is, do you know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior? Because the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And, and, and we don't want anyone to leave this room today not knowing where they're going to spend their eternal destiny. God loves you so much. He has an incredible life for you. He died for you. He forgave you of every one of your sins, past, present, and future. That's how good he is. And he's offering that to you today. If you say, Pastor, I don't know. If you can't answer to me with an affirmative, Pastor, if I die today, I'm not really sure where I end up. If you don't know, if you can't say, Pastor, I know for sure where I'm going. If you can't say that, then I want to invite you to receive the Lord today. If you know in your heart that you're not right with God, that you haven't given him your heart, will you receive him today? Is there one that would say, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I want to live for him. I want to live for him. Is there one? I don't know. I want to live for him. Amen. Amen. 
Maybe you're hearing this word this morning and you have really been struggling. Maybe there's some past sin that has hounded you. And you, you know the Lord, but you have not had peace in your heart because of things that you've done in the past. And, and because of the things you've done in the past, you're not forgiving yourself. And because you have not forgiven yourself, you not only hurt yourself, but you hurt other people because you don't think that you're worthy enough. And you don't realize God's grace and his forgiveness. Maybe you experienced something like the lady in the video and that has haunted you. You say, Pastor, I just, I just need prayer this morning. I'm not even going to ask you what it's about. This is an opportunity for you by symbolically walking up here today and confessing and releasing that thing to God. That's exactly what you're doing. You're releasing that to God. If that's you this morning and you say, Pastor, I've been hunted by past sin, something I've done in my past, and I need to get free of it today, once and for all. I need to forgive myself. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning, don't even think about it, just come. You say, Pastor, I need you to pray with me. Just come up to the altar and we'll pray together. Don't even think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think, just listen to the Lord. Don't look around. You just look at your heart, look at you. If the Holy Spirit has convicted you and he's shown you that there's something in your life that you need to get right, that you haven't forgiven yourself for whatever it is. This is an opportunity. By coming up here, I'm not even going to ask you what it is. By coming up here this morning, all we're saying is symbolically, we're coming into agreement with God that it's over. That the thing has been forgiven. That I'm not going to think about. I knew it was somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I knew it was somebody. So you say, Lord, it's over. I'm putting it to the past. Thank you, Jesus. You're releasing that thing today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah is enough. Whatever it is, a past sin, whatever, whatever it is, just run up to this altar. Don't even think about it. God's going to hear you today. You're set free. It's over. We ain't bringing this up anymore. It's done. It's done. It's done. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Saints, you see these people here at the altar this morning. These are people that know the Lord. But they've had internal struggles that perhaps they've kept to themselves and perhaps nobody even know about. I want you to love them. I want them to feel your love. I want you to be available that if one of them want to come and share with you, that you open your heart. You open your heart because God is a healer. Amen. God is a healer. Each one of you up front, just take a look. Just look up front. Look at me. I want you to move in closer this way. Everybody move in closer. Right up, right up to the edge. That's closer. Now I need you to, I need you, I need you to, to get this. I need you to understand this That when I say this prayer this morning, I want you to hear this. Now, you, every one of you got to believe, you got to believe that God has forgiven you. That's the first thing. You got to believe that. I gave you scripture. We, we, we quoted the word of God that says that when you confess it, God forgives you. Doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what their opinion don't matter. What matters is what God says. 
And when we pray this prayer today, I want you to document this day. Somebody write it down. Document this day. If you're a parent, if you're a child or a relative, a husband, or one of these people, write it down. Today is June 3rd, June 2nd, thank you, 12, 15 a.m. We're going to give it 12, 17 p.m. I'm sorry. That this thing is over. That this is the day that it died. You're going to forgive yourself and walk in the freedom that God gave you. Not Pastor Gary. This is not me. I'm not giving you anything. God says that you're forgiven if you confess it. God said it. So if God set you free, you're free. And you walk in it. I don't care. Do you hear me? You walk in it. I don't care what you did. You give it to him and you are free and you are loved and you're going to achieve everything God wants you to do in life. You're going to have a great life because God ordained it so. So we're going to say this prayer. And I'm taking a, a couple minutes because I want this thing settled in your spirit. That it's over. It's over. The devil ain't going to hunt you and torment you no more. It's over. I stand as a representative of God, a man of God, God sent me here to tell you it's over. You're free. Walk in it. And don't let the devil keep stealing the joy that God wants you to have. Amen. Now, I, I want you to raise your hands as, a, as an act of submission to the Lord. Each one. And I want you to repeat after me. And I need you to say it loud enough so the devil can hear it. Lord Jesus, I confess my sin. Forgive me for what I've done. Now, Lord, I realize you have forgiven me. Now, I forgive myself. I am set free. I receive your joy. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your peace. I am free. I am free. I am free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, come on, give God a praise. You clap your hand and give God a praise. Celebrate your freedom. Amen. 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 You're free. God sent you here to set you free. And whatever you do moving forward, remember this day. When the devil tried to bring it up, just remember. And if you still need to go back home, and you need to have that little funeral service, you know, the one we talked about where you kind of write it down and you do it. Invite me, I'll come. I got a couple other people, we'll come, we'll come with you, we'll celebrate how that you're set free of whatever you've done in your past. It's, over. it's done. Come on, saints, give God another praise for that. You may be seated. At this point of the service, we're going to prepare for our communion. Amen. If you could just, um, just stand to your feet, if you will. Communion is for believers. Come on, give God a praise. Communion is for believers. It's a time where we commune with God. We become one with him. We remember his death on the cross. 
And when we take communion, we remind ourselves of the freshness of the forgiveness that he's given to us. And so when you take communion this morning, know and receive God's forgiveness and just celebrate it afresh. Every time we do it, we proclaim his death until he comes back. And he is coming back. He's coming back. Are you ready for him today? I love him so much. So before we take communion, I want you to take a moment, just take a moment and search your hearts. If there's any sins, anything in your, your life that you've done this week, even today, this morning, you just want to just give over to God right now. If it's somebody you need to go and hug because they've gotten on your last nerves, whatever the case might be, go hug them, get it right, because when we take communion, we want there to be a free flow of God's grace. We don't want his grace to be choked up by any attitudes. So take a moment, amen, take a moment and ask the Lord to search your hearts this morning. serve ourselves and we'll start with the direction of the ushers and they will direct you to the table where you come back to the seat and then we'll uh, together take our communion.
have the opportunity to serve themselves. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Shall we eat together? same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes father we thank you for your blood that will never lose its power that cleansing power that sets us free and makes us whole father we love it Thank you so much. Shall we drink together? Amen. Amen. Just pass those over to your, your right. And I guess, yes, I think your right and my left or something along those lines. How many of you enjoyed that word this morning? Amen. Walk in your freedom. And uh, the praise team is just going to lead us out with a song this morning. And so come on, give God another praise. She's booting it up. <laughs> it's number 10. It's the last one. But don't count me out. Number 11. Okay. Praise God. Our God and King His love endures forever For He is good He is above all things His love endures forever Here we go, sing praise
Thank you, Jesus.